1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Yes, welcome back to the show. I'm Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out, but Ryan Basham is filling in as my lovely guest host.
3: Oh, you're lovely. Oh, thanks. So is producer Shelby. Yes. We're all oh, lovely. We should take it a lovely photo. T- it
2: takes a team effort. That's true. Yes, true. We could try to take a selfie. Actually, we could take a selfie from one side looking back. Yeah, maybe we should. You could see should. the whole
3: studio maybe and everything. can get it on our social media. We'll do it
2: and we'll put it up at LGT Show, so you, you could see what we look like and what yes. this uh, room looks like. I often
3: am surprised by how different someone on the radio looks when I finally see a photo of them than I thought they looked. You like know what I mean? better
2: looking?
3: Sometimes better, sometimes not. You know what I'm saying?
2: Totally. I hear you.
3: Or like totally different ethnicity or face yep. structure or... You never know. You never know.
2: You never know. Never know. Well, we promise you'll be in for a treat.
3: Yes. <laughs> Hopefully a sweet treat, not yeah. a sour treat.
2: <laughs> We're uh, talking more about the Respect for Marriage Act with Equality California this hour. Um, actually, right after this. And Netflix is seeing a Massive drop in subscribers. What does Netflix have to say about it, though? And why is it happening? That's in 30 minutes, too. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. A House Transportation Committee hearing took a left turn four hours in as Representative Troy E. Nells of Texas started fighting with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg over President Biden's mental health. And they went from a cordial discussion of an infrastructure bill into
4: this, like, heated political exchange here it is. The media questioning wow. President Biden's mental state and for good reason. Sadly, he shakes hands with ghosts. He falls off bicycles. Even at the White House Easter celebration, the Easter Bunny had to guide him back into his safe place. So my question for you is, sir, have you spoken with any other cabinet members about implementing the 25th Amendment on President Biden?
5: First of all, I'm glad to have a president who can ride a bicycle. I will look beyond the, the insulting nature of that question and make clear to you that the
6: President Have of the United States... Have you spoken
4: States, to any other cabinet not. members about implementing no, I'm the 25th the Amendment thing.
6: on President Biden? The, of course please not. Please allow the you witness. To Have and you President emailed... This is my time. States?
2: I mean, Buttigieg continues to really impress me with how he yeah. handles these situations, whether yes. it be on Fox News or with conversations like this, that just make your blood boil where anyone else would not want to even entertain or talk or like not be able to diffuse it. And somehow he stays in such like a great neutral way, mm-hmm. but with really clear, intentional words.
3: Yes. The thing is, I mean, we're talking about a Rhodes Scholar. Like, look, I think conservatives think he's young, he's gay, he's gettable. But here's the thing. You... Pete Buttigieg is smarter than you.
2: Oh, he is. Yeah, he just and that's because you can't debate that. Yeah, and just... he, and also now he's he has the accomplishments he's working on. Yeah. He's growing, obviously, as a, a political leader.
3: Absolutely. You know what I would say if you're going to mess with Buttigieg, you know, you know, mess around and find out.
2: Well, that was one moment that stood out uh, recently, and finally, almost all staff members of the Vinton Public Library in Iowa have walked out over a series of complaints about LGBTQ books and workers. They eventually closed on July 8th after losing two directors in two years because of city residents complaining about the library's display of LGBTQ plus books, as well as books about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There there were also a number of informal complaints about there not being enough books about former President Donald Trump on display. (laughs) The library board eventually reopened the doors of the public library this week with limited opening hours and volunteers filling in for staff members. I
3: mean, they should just do a whole shelf of the books that journalists from The Washington Post have written about Donald Trump.
2: Right. I'm just saying. If they want to know, they should know. Yes. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news?
3: (sighs) So, um, so you, you may know Amanda Seyfried from movies like uh, Les Mis, and most memorably, you know, she did not just one, but two movies with Meryl Streep called, I don't know, what are they called? Les Mi- not Les Mi- Mamma Mia, you know, some musical. Uh, okay, but all, in all seriousness, so she's d- done a lot of movies where she sings, and it's not, I gotta be honest... I'm not going to say she's the best singer in the world, but she's a lovely human being. And it turns out that the role that she missed out on, that she's most bummed about, is Wicked. You know, they're making a movie adaptation of the super, super hit uh, Broadway show. So she was filming her, uh, a, you know, a, f- a role that she was really, 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 you know, uh, working hard on. And on the weekends, she would work on her audition for Wicked. And she ultimately didn't get it. It went to Ariana Grande, um, uh, who is um, going to be starring with C- Cynthia Erivo. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she, it, she just, you know, she was bummed to not get it, but she said it was a really um, you know, educational experience for her and to a great, opportunity for her to see how far her voice has come and having seen the first and second Mamma Mia movies I hope that's true Um, (laughs) uh, but uh, you know sending her some love (laughs) Yeah, she she does
2: not compare to Ariana Grande
3: yeah I mean I have questions about that too I love Ariana but I don't know about that role for her but anyway whatever we'll see Okay. Um, sending her some love and hope that her voice is uh, you know she's getting better and better because she's a lovely person she deserves it
2: definitely I'm sure she has other opportunities but yeah that sucks when you don't get what you want Yeah. well next up Equality California is joining us to discuss the Respect for Marriage Act and the latest updates next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wants to bring a bill protecting same sex marriage to the Senate floor after it passed the House this week. We were actually here on the show when it all happened. Yeah. You know, uh, but first he needs to ensure it can get enough Republican support to pass. Here he is.
7: Senator Baldwin, who is one of the leaders of this legislation in the Senate this morning. And she is talking to Republicans to see where the support is. I want to bring this bill to the floor, and we're working to get the necessary Senate Republican support to ensure it would pass.
2: Okay, joining us right now is Samuel Garrett Pate, Managing Director at Equality California. Thanks for being here.
4: Always happy to be.
2: Well, this was a, a pretty big deal yesterday. The House passed the legislation in a 267 to 157 vote. 47 Republicans joining a unanimous Democratic caucus in supporting legislation. Tell us more. Were you celebrating or are you like, OK, this is the minimum that can happen at this point?
4: <laughs> well, look, I, I think it's important to note that while 157 Republicans voted no, um, and that is a bad thing, Yeah. Um 47 voted yes, as you noted, and that's about a quarter of the House Republican caucus. If we can get less than a quarter uh, of of the Republican senators to join their Democratic colleagues, this can pass the Senate, and it can be signed by President Biden, and it would finally remove the Defense of Marriage Act from federal law. Now, why haven't we worried about this in the last almost 10 years? Mm -hmm. Well, because the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act in 2013. And so we haven't had to worry about it since 2013, until the Supreme Court just last month showed in the Dobbs decision, um, allowing for abortion bans to to move forward, uh, that they have no respect for their own precedent, and that we can't count on them to protect our, our civil rights by upholding their past decisions.
3: So, you know, I think the question then becomes, of course, can we get those 10 and, you know, Senator Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin, who's trying to whip those votes, is the first openly LGBTQ senator, which I would like to think is going to help compel some Republicans to get on board. What do we think is the over under on the possibility of getting 10 Republicans to sign on and vote for this?
4: Well, look, I I think that remains to be seen. I think if anyone can do it, Senator Baldwin is uh, a formidable champion. Um, Look, you've you've got uh, Senators Murkowski uh, and Collins who, you know, fault them for not always being with us when we need them, but, um, you know, both, I think, are are, uh, going to be there on on this vote. Um, You have Senator Rob Portman, who has an openly gay son and and has come out um, in support of marriage equality. So there's three right there. I think, um, you know, the country has evolved on the issue of marriage equality. We have a lot more progress to go. We need to have. We need to continue to get people to evolve on on trans equality and other civil rights issues. Um, but hopefully, Senate Republicans will will, you know, enough Senate Republicans will join their House colleagues in looking at where their constituents are on this issue um, and protecting marriage equality and interracial marriage. By the way, yeah. the Respect for Marriage Act that passed the House not only. Um, includes protections for marriage equality at the federal level, but also includes protections for interracial marriages. Because, again, while the Supreme Court years and years and years ago uh, held in Loving v. Virginia that, there, that uh, bans on interracial marriage are unconstitutional, again, we know that we cannot count on this court to uphold its own precedent or protect civil rights.
2: Definitely. So how quickly could this happen?
4: look i think it remain again they've got to get to 10 republican votes in the senate um to to overcome the filibuster um and then as soon as as soon as they get there you know the senate can move quickly um and hopefully we can get this to the president's desk but i look i, I want to make clear that as important as marriage equality is it is not alone a substitute for lgbtq equality lgbtq civil rights uh we still need to pass the equality act and it's very clear that we can't do that until we pick up enough votes in the Senate to overcome the filibuster. Well, so we may be able to get 60 votes for marriage equality, but we're not going to get 60 votes for the Equality Act. And so that means we need to pick up at least two more Democratic Senate seats uh, in states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, um, where they're yeah. North Carolina, where there are close races this November um, in order to... Right. And we need to hold the House yeah, in so, order to reform the filibuster, so we, uh, hold
3: the House, and get the Equality
4: Act to the president's
3: desk. So we only have a few seconds, but real quick, you know, um, in your putting on your, you know, political operative advocacy organization hat, how can um, we get the needle moved, A, on this bill, and B, how can we use this to campaign to get more Democrats in the Senate in November?
4: Well, everyone needs to call their U.S. senators and make sure that they're going to vote yes on this bill. And then everyone needs to vote in November. If we pick up two Senate seats and we hold the House, then we can protect abortion access in this country by codifying Roe v. Wade. And we can pass the Equality Act and finally give basic legal protections to LGBTQ people nationwide. Right.
2: right. OK, well, that was Samuel Garrett Pate, Managing Director at Equality California. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. What's coming up next, Ryan?
3: Oh, gosh. Good question. And you know, since you asked, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to stall a little bit because I I need to scroll back down on my screen. No, I got it now. I got it now. You ready? All right. I was going to pick it up. Oh, girl, listen. Okay, so Netflix, as you may have heard, lost nearly 1 million subscribers in the second quarter, and they're finally speaking up about it next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Uh,
3: Producer Shelby said we can't sing, so I think we should. Just no. saying.
2: Go for it. What are we doing? Now we need to move on to the topic at hand before we lose our listeners. <laughs> no singing.
3: All right. Next time, I'm gonna. I'm just I'm gonna make it happen. It's a surprise sometime this today.
2: Okay. Uh, well, we are talking about Netflix right now. Yes. Uh, Netflix lost one million subscribers. You know, we had talked about how they had fired a bunch of. Well, they announced like that they were losing subscribers, and then I think. They there was a hiring issue. They did some cost cutting or some some... cutting of costs, and so it feels like this all happened suddenly. But obviously, it didn't, right? Yeah, it
3: seems inevitable. You know, I mean, the pandemic. Everybody got Netflix. What
2: comes up must come down.
3: Exactly. I feel like
2: Netflix was the golden child of media. Like they came Mm -hmm. up, they disrupted the system. They were untouchable. So what's what happens now? Well, Peter Kafka joins us right now, senior correspondent and co-executive producer of the Code Conference. Thanks for being here.
5: Hey there. Thanks for having me back.
2: Yes, Peter. Great to have you. It's been a while. So tell us more about this. I mean, did this actually happen out of nowhere, or is it just the headlines happened out of nowhere for us consumers and readers?
5: If you step back, you can go, yeah, yeah, it was inevitable. They, they were going to hit their head on the ceiling. And I think if you would have, well, actually, Netflix said it for a long time, look, our growth in the U S is slowing. We're, we're going to grow internationally. That's what's going to happen. And I think people who were sort of skeptical of Netflix, assumed their growth would slow eventually over time, but it it went in reverse, Um, which is kind of wild because you just never see any company, let alone Netflix, which had grown for 10 decades, sorry for a decade. The last time they had a screw up, it was entirely their own fault. It was called Quickster. If you have a long memory, (laughs) that's right. Um, but but for them to go instead of going, oh, we have slowing growth or we, we missed our goals to, for them to hit reverse and to lose a couple hundred thousand people three quarters ago, a quarter ago, and then lose a million. this time that's a big deal. And you could tell by the way they were responding to it, which is, oh, uh, we're going to work on password sharing. And even though yes. we said we were never going to do ads for our entire life, now we're going to do ads. And they kind of half announced that, and it was very un and that gave you a good sense of sort of the the panic and shock that was going on in Netflix.
3: So, I guess, can we read the tea leaves a little bit? What's next for Netflix then? Because it seems like, you know, they've already reversed po- you know their position on these things. I mean, are they going to change? And Jane, I think I read yesterday Jane Campion, who just won uh, Best, Best Director uh, last year at the Oscars. She was saying she thought they were going to be more choosy about material they pick up. So, what do we think we know about what's going to change for both you know consumers and also content makers? Because because ultim- Netflix has made so much stuff.
5: Yeah, so they are they are signaling now they're going to be choosier, which is kind of funny, because again, for a long time, they're like, no, we're making lots of stuff and everyone likes our stuff. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean everyone else doesn't like it. <laughs> um, they are still going to spend a ton of money, $17 billion is their wow. content budget this year. But the difference for them is they're saying, actually, next year, it's also going to be 17000000000 billion. We're going to stop increasing mm-hmm. that number year over year. So that's that's a hint. And then, the you know, the advertising thing is a big deal. They're not going to put ads into your Netflix, but they're going to make a version of Netflix available with ads. If you want to subscribe to that, it'll be cheaper than what you're paying now. Um, and, and the big question is, yeah, are they going to make different kinds of bets? We won't, and are they going to have different kinds of people picking movies and TV shows? We won't know that for a while. You know, um, during the earnings call this week, Netflix made a big point of saying that all their biggest hits have come in the last 12 months, meaning they've come from people who are in charge now, sort of suggesting that they think they know what they're doing and they don't need to make huge changes. But there's a lot of skepticism about that.
2: Yeah. Wh- what do you think is the reason behind all of this change? Because, yeah, it seems like I guess it, during COVID, a lot of people got the subscriptions because they were stuck inside. They needed it. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like we're going back to everyday life. Is it the economy? Is it inflation? Just people like Netflix is the the first on the list when people are looking at their budgets
5: I don't think that people are going to stop streaming stuff. I don't think that goes backwards. Um, it's how most people now consume most of their stuff. And yeah. you, know, you certainly wouldn't argue people are going to watch conventional TV it's instead totally. of streaming. People you know, are going to time of, on video, yeah. yeah
2: conventional TV. Right? <laughs> oh, what's on yeah, ABC and, tonight? Yeah, exactly.
5: Right. So that's, that's not going backwards. The question is, did Netflix and did the rest of the industry that is now trying to emulate Netflix – overestimate the total market for people who want to pay for subscription streaming services. Netflix in the past has talked about a billion people might subscribe to Netflix one day. Well, what if that number is 400 million instead? That that really changes sort of their math. It changes the overall value of what they do. And it also means that they're going to be fighting... Um, much harder with everyone else who's coming for their customers because there's fewer to go around. It's telling, by the way, that, that even though Netflix only lost a million subscribers overall last quarter, the place where they lost the most was in the U.S. and Canada. That's their most mature market where they've been around the longest. And it's where they have the most competition. And that should be very worrisome for Netflix.
3: So uh, we don't have much time, real quick, but just kind yeah. of give us a, just a sense of, you know, prognosticators looking a few years ahead, maybe even a decade ahead. What do, what do the people who study this all the time think our entertainment landscape is going to look like in a few years? Are people going to have 15 million subscription services? Or, you know, what, no. what do we think the, it's going to be the, like?
5: The conventional wisdom in the industry is that there's eight or nine or whatever many different streaming services now. And in a couple of years, that's going to consolidate to two or three. Okay. And up until last six months everyone said well netflix will be one of those for sure and then (laughs) is it going to be disney and warner discovery or apple and now it's not a foregone conclusion that that netflix is one of those because maybe netflix gets bought by somebody Ah. else but um i don't think netflix the service is going away
2: okay well there you go the future with Peter Kafka, senior correspondent. I'm not
5: holding responsible for any of those predictions. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see.
2: (laughs) You'll have to pay for my Netflix
3: subscription. I need someone to. Right. My ex boyfriend can't anymore.
2: Okay, Peter, thank you again. Talk soon. (laughs)
5: Thank you, guys.
2: All right, coming up this unexpected thing that could make men hungrier.
5: Mm. Next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: So I don't want to make it about me, but I do have something that pertains exclusively to uh, cisgender. I think it's just cisgender men, Um, but it's nerdy science talk. So, um, yeah. um, I'm
2: somewhat intrigued. uh, All right.
3: Check it out. Check it out. So apparently sunlight makes men hungrier and it doesn't have the same effect on women weird yeah isn't that crazy and maybe it does apply to to i don't know it applies to women who anybody who has a lot of estrogen in their body well it, it blocks it so basically uh, oh. there's a protein in your skin uh-huh. that gets activated to repair your dna from sun damage right and when your body activates that protein it also triggers a hormone that stimulates appetite so you're so when you get sun on your skin yeah. it's it puts into action a protein that puts out a hormone that makes you hungry,
2: but it doesn't do that for people with estrogen,
3: right? More because estrogen. the estrogen blocks that interaction. Whoa! Isn't that crazy?
2: Yeah, science is weird.
3: Yeah. So the study that we're talking about. Um, it, it, so the the researchers they found that um, basically, you know, they think the 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 idea is. Um, our bodies, our skin tells our bodies winter is over, and if we're out in the sun, we're maybe preparing for the mating season. So that's part of the whole process. As it's evolutionary, your body oh, is responding like, to those triggers. You
2: need to get food to. Uh, well, you
3: need to burn the fat you had on the win in the winter. Yeah, and um, and so presumably you. But, you you know, you also need to eat more fresh food. Because, you know, when you're in the winter, you know, you're shed, burning that fat over time. So you need to increase yeah, your yeah. metabolism, and but also eat more the at the same time. The problem
2: is you eat more and then yes, it's not exactly. like you're maintaining that. You just keep eating more.
3: Yeah, basically. Well, that's but, yes. what I do. And but
2: yeah, and then you get ready for the winter. Wow. It's funny. We forget that we're just like sometimes, even we're though mammals. we're more sophisticated and I, there's more nuances now. We understand because we have a brain. Yeah. Uh, very much evolved compared to other animals. But we're still animals. Yeah. It's, that we, yes. my mind. Yes,
3: wild, right? Well, so, you know, that's the, that's the tea on uh, the why more you I'm hungry know. right now. Da-da-da-da. Well, no, oh. you have no sun on you. You're right. Okay. You know what? Maybe I should stay out of the sun. I'll get, stay skinny. Well, I got to get skinny first. Anyway, Shira, what's coming up next? Right, more of what's trending. And a
2: university is offering a class on a certain celebrity. Find out who in the Tea Report.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
7: Call from mom. Answer
2: it
6: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Yes, we're back. Hope you're having a great afternoon, and thanks for hanging out with us here on Channel Q. More music to come. It is Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out, and Ryan Basham is here Having fun in the studio.
3: Here to stay, here to slay, but not as much as Ryan Mitchell. Because he is the slay god.
2: Yeah, that is true. We did post that picture. You asked, and we are giving it to you. You shall receive.
3: (laughs) I don't know if anybody else cared.
2: (laughs) We took a picture of ourselves and posted it to LGT Show on Instagram and Twitter. Go check it out. I know you're curious. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot coming up still. Uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, we we know that we all need to wear a mask inside or we have been told that that can protect us from COVID, the infection, but now researchers are saying you may have to start wearing a mask outside too. What is going on? We're talking about that in 15 minutes. And then later, how closing the gender wage gap could help some economies out of crisis. We like that. Some mm. um, positive talk, including... Closing any gaps. I'm into that. Yes, ma'am. Let's get into some what's turning this hour, though, right now. Pennsylvania finally removed archaic anti-homosexuality laws from its crime code just this week. It turns out that even as gay marriage was being legalized and uh, anti-sodomy laws were being struck down across the country, Pennsylvania still had a law on the books criminalizing any and all depictions of homosexuality. I mean, what? These are these little things, like, for some reason that go unnoticed, yeah. I don't know how. I mean, there's an
3: abortion law. I think it's still on the books in Michigan that's from like 1907.
2: Yeah. After a, f- a good few months of correspondence, House Bill 2125 was signed by Governor Tom Wolfe, finally decriminalizing homosexual materials in the state. Congrats. Wow. Let's move on to VP Kamala Harris, who compared the recent Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade to America's history of slavery. Here's what she said
0: We know. NAACP that our country has a history of claiming ownership over human bodies and today extremist so-called leaders are criminalizing doctors and punishing women for making health care decisions for themselves
2: this speech happened at the NAACP's 113th convention where she also blasted many of these so-called leaders of the anti-abortion movement for being the same ones who are passing laws to restrict the ability to vote on state laws that can make it easier to terminate pregnancies.
3: Wow, I she, love yeah. when she's when she's on fire. She's on she's fire. She's on it, right? Yeah.
2: Do you, have you seen all the the gossip of her being the VP for Governor Gavin Newsom when he runs for president?
3: Uh, this is like this has uh, been that, coming up. That sounds like a showdown and I think it would be really messy oh yeah I do I think that would be really messy
2: like he's gonna replace Biden
3: yeah I think I think um it all depends on poll numbers I think but I cannot imagine there not being a fight over it someone asking Kamala Harris to take second seat to another straight white man Mm. just saying and I and I think people would rightly be concerned I think that would be fair yeah
2: that was what's turning this hour. What's happening in entertainment news?
3: Okay, so here's some hot goss for you. If you're a Harry Styles fan, so uh, a member of our very own LGBTQ community, who is um, a professor of digital history, uh, Louis Dean Valencia, it has just created and is going to be teaching a class at Texas State University around Harry Styles. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> I mean, what? What are you teaching? I mean, well, here's the thing. Okay, so it's a. So Valencia says it's a course that will explore gender and sexuality race class national and globalism media fashion culture also goes into like european uh music and world history like he's gonna find a lot of through lines i guess which kind of is wild and he said one direction got me through my phd work and his solo work got me through a pandemic (laughs) i wouldn't feel comfortable doing such a course with someone else
2: Wild. Wild, okay. right? Okay, that's I'll the table. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. Official world domination when you have a class named after you. Yeah. Next up, COVID increased out options for outdoor events and dining. In an effort to lower your chances of infection, but with these new variants, being outside may not save you. We're talking about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's been said that outdoor settings have been generally safe during COVID-19 pandemic, as we know. But the question is, are new sub-variants going to change that? Specifically, the, you know, the BA-4, BA-5 COVID variants. Can they spread not just inside, but outside as well? Back with us is Dr. Amesh Adalja from the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what's your take on all of this? Has it changed that much?
7: Not really. I think when you look at the ventilation in most outdoor settings, it's still going to be sufficient to make transmission very unlikely, even with more contagious variants like BA4 and BA5. But it's important to remember it's not all or none. It's not as if outdoor transmission can't occur if it starts to resemble an indoor situation, meaning people packed on top of each other, you're likely to see some transmission occur, but it's always going to be more efficient in an indoor setting than an outdoor setting.
3: Yeah. Well, actually, to that point, I was actually going to ask you. So, I'm glad you teed me up on this. Um, Doesn't does the what is around you matter? So, like, if you're in like a pagoda with a roof but no walls, so there's some breeze. I mean, does does the structure you're around, even if it's technically outdoors, does that make a difference? Yes, it does. It's definitely
7: about ventilation. So the more ventilated an area is, the more open it is, the less likely you're going to see transmission because those respiratory droplets and and particles with viruses are going to get whisked away if there is a good breeze, if there is a lot of ventilation. If you're in some place that's outdoors but resembles the indoors, you're not going to have that same
3: benefit. Uh, that's a good rule of thumb. If it's outdoors but resembles the indoors, it's not as much of a benefit. Huh. Oh, that's really good.
2: Oh, yeah, like what? <laughs> like, you know,
3: like like if you go to a dining area in a restaurant that's, like, got a fence on all sides, but it's technically outside because there's no roof.
2: Yeah, I hear you on that. Okay, so is there no reason to be worried because it just feels like this is another headline that is... Uh, coming up and it might worry some people as we've, you know, mass guidance maybe comes back. Maybe there's more distancing inside. It seems like this is being brought up for different cities where the cases have increased.
7: I wouldn't necessarily think that BA5 represents a major change in where we are in the trajectory of the pandemic. We always expected this virus to evolve, to become more contagious, more able to evade some of the protection that our immunity gives us. But what we're seeing in the hospitals is not, a major concern meaning yes the hospitalizations are up but we're not worried about capacity concerns and that's sort of the where we want to be with COVID 19 where we've kind of shifted illness to the outpatient side of side of the healthcare system where we're not seeing people being hospitalized in high numbers but it's important to remember that yes this is what the virus is going to do it's going to continue to evolve just like other members of its family do to be able to infect us and i think with the tools that we have vaccines monoclonal antibodies antivirals rapid tests it's becoming much it's becoming much more manageable than it ever was
3: this is also fascinating so is that what do we know what do we not know what are our known unknowns at this point
7: i think the biggest unknown is understanding for example long COVID. understanding why certain people develop long-haul symptoms and other people don't that i think is probably the most pressing research question Uh, That we have right now. Uh, Because as this disease becomes something that's easily manageable, there are some people that are kind of holding back from getting to their pre pandemic life because of concerns about long COVID. And I think we still have more questions and answers when it comes to long COVID.
2: Definitely. uh, This is fascinating. I mean, are you doing any of this research at Johns Hopkins right now?
7: Not me particularly, but Johns Hopkins does have a major clinic to take care of long COVID. Persons, I work a lot on in the interface between policy and science, so I'm more about thinking about the next pandemic and making sure that we have the, the, the uh, systems in place to be able to detect the next pandemic when it occurs and respond much better than we have to COVID or even to, to monkeypox, which is not a pandemic, but another place where we're faltering.
3: Yeah, that, you know, I think this is fascinating. I think most Americans don't realize how much specialty there is in that in, in, interface. So I'm glad you're doing it. I mean, is there, what would you say is like the thing we've learned so far from, uh, from this pandemic that we hope to apply in the next round of potential pandemic?
7: I think the biggest lesson is that no matter how prepared you are, no matter how much technology and science you have, if you have bad politicians and policymakers running the show, It's going to magnify the pandemic. The human factors have been much more important in how this pandemic trajectory has went than actually what science we had, what preparedness we had, because the U.S. was considered the most prepared country in the world. Yet we fared so horribly, not because of our our preparedness, but because of our political leadership. And I think that's the biggest lesson I gleaned from the pandemic.
2: Okay, well, uh, thank you again, as always, for updating us on everything. It seems like we just still need to be approaching it the way we have been, with more awareness. Is that the lesson that we are learning?
7: I do think it's important that people realize that pandemics in the 21st century can still be very severe, and that this is something that people should hold their elected leaders accountable for, Mm -hmm. because when you look at what happened with COVID-19, the reason why it was so so severe Is a failure of government, Uh, government at the federal level, state level, local level. And I think we really have to approach this proactively, that we have these are lessons that everybody has been talking about for decades, about what you need to do to respond appropriately to an infectious disease emergency. And until our leaders are held accountable for this, unless they're thought that this is a priority that they have to actually address, we're going to continue to fall into this cycle of boom and bust, panic and neglect. And we're already seeing that with monkeypox, and the heel on the heels of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and that's not encouraging.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay, that was Dr. Amesh Adalja from the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thank you again. And next up, the current recession is disproportionately bad for women, unlike past economic slumps that have been actually worse for men. We're talking about how closing the gender wage gap could actually solve this. Next,
0: let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: What? Is the uh, gender wage gap like right now? Has it increased? Has it decreased? Well, according to the World Economic Forum, they've got the numbers. And it's really unfortunate that with all our quote unquote progress, it's actually increased, right? We were actually seeing the numbers get closer
3: before the pandemic.
2: Before the pandemic. Yeah. Or it's decreased.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Decreased. It's
2: gotten. It's gotten better.
3: It's got it was start it was getting better. Yeah, that's
2: what I meant. Yeah, yeah. and
3: then the pandemic okay. ruined that. We trend. need to be
2: uh clear how we describe percentages. Yes. Um it was getting better, the pandemic hit, a lot of uh people lost their jobs, but women specifically were really impacted because they were having to stay at home with the kids. Like yeah. it was and um, so the whole stay-at-home mom thing, you know, there it became more of a thing. Yeah, and also right? people
3: who live with their elderly parents or ch- yes. people with special needs.
2: So it was harder to get back into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And then it caused that number to get to the worst level it has been since they did this index and since they compiled all this information in the World Economic Forum. Which they've
3: been doing for, I think, 16 years.
2: Which is uh, really sad. It's not surprising. I think that a lot regressed unfortunately, during the pandemic and during now this recession and during the state of politics. I mean, this is looking at the world and the world. There's been a lot of
3: backsliding. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, I think also a contributing factor is, you know, some of the sectors that were most impacted by the uh Uh, pandemic were ones that, you know, retail business and stuff like that, where they they had to shutter. Also, um, uh, lots of women are employed in education and other essential work, like, you know, nurses and those kinds of jobs. And so, you know, the the people you heard about quitting their jobs because of how hard it was during the pandemic, a lot disproportionately fields uh, populated with women. So all around there, it's like assault after assault on the gender wage gap.
2: And what's crazy, I'm really... Somewhat sick of hearing about how amazing America is, and listen, there's a reason why we're all here. Yeah, how it's, it's great. Like, in some oh ways. my God, this American dream and all this. When with all these lists of like whether it be gender pay equality or us being safe, and this, that. The U.S. is the like one of the lower In first world ways, countries, yeah. absolutely, right? And so it's yeah. like, where's the disconnect? How is it that a country that has all this access, all this opportunity, a bunch of wealth, how can we not figure out? How to be higher mm.
3: on these lists? Yeah, I mean, when countries like Iceland and Finland or, and Norway are like top of the list, and we're not, that's uh, that's embarrassing. But you know, uh, and then how do we
2: not look at what we're doing? We're like, what's wrong? So, like, what isn't working?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs>
2: it's like this, like ignorance. It's not bliss. Absolutely. By the way. Well, I
3: think it's a conservative <laughs> value to. Uh, not say anything bad about your country. Like, I've had conservative people say to me before, why don't you love America? And I'm like, I do love America. And like, why are you criticizing America? I'm like, look, like like in any relationship Um, in my life, if I love someone or something, I'm going to love them enough to be honest.
2: Yeah, call them forth. I mean, this ignorance isn't helping anyone. Yeah, exactly. Look at it. The, The numbers prove it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it can get better. That's why we're talking about it. You know, yeah, I mean, and and coming back to the the you know women in the workforce uh-huh. thing, I mean, all the data shows that work women when women are in the workforce, it makes companies more productive. Um, it makes them grow in a more effective way. I mean, it, it's it increases revenues and, and productivity. I mean, it's our society is better when women are in the workforce. And so, if it's going to take over a hundred years at the current pace to close, yeah, did the, they say one hundred and thirteen? Yeah, something like that. Um, it was one hundred and thirty-two. I think. Oh,
2: what? Even worse. Yeah. Well, I, I I knew there was a three well, in there. Well it's at
3: least it's at least a little bit better than twenty twenty one when it was one thirty six. So it's gotten a little bit better in that one measure, the pace of growth or the pace of improvement. Oh so
2: every year if we continue going, oh gut like five years less. Yeah,
3: exactly. Basically yeah. the current generation of women are suffering and another generation after them will suffer. I mean it's gonna be generations in, at this current pace until it's you know, until it's rectified, until we have true gender parity.
2: Well, I, I think that, you know, we said when you have more women represented at different companies there's more of a lot of stuff you said productivity growth etc but i think just that's in general for any sort of underrepresented community absolutely more diversity in general and like yeah we throw those words around and they could be overused but it's true more perspective creates greater results
3: yeah well we were talking the other day about that dating app where you know they had some not so great uh you know, algorithm problems for non-binary people. And those probably happened because there weren't any non-binary people in the room where the, where the code was being written, you yep. know? so
2: And you don't think about it because everyone, you know, the typical excuse is, well, yeah, of course, you're not going to ask what people's gender and sexual, sexual orientation is. Let's be real. However, how, how can you make sure that you're just not hiring all the same people? Well, yeah, and in
3: fact, I mean, companies to a certain extent are required to collect demographic data on their new hires, so... On, on their employer, employees in general. Really? So
2: what's the balance between the I mean, you can like, opt out of private. answering it. Okay, yeah, 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 you can
3: opt out of answering it, but a lot of em- employers are finding ways to measure that in a way that's ethical and yeah. so they can increase you know diversity in their hires. And companies that aren't doing that are behind the, the ball.
2: All right, well, let's do better. You see the numbers. Let's close that gap because uh, other countries are, um, are winning. And, you know, America likes to win. So you yeah. just, like, dangle that. Other people are winning. Let's are you... win
3: more, you guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> let's make America great again. Have we heard that before? I don't know it seems familiar. <laughs> All right, next up, what color is the most relaxing color? We need that after this conversation, according to this color psychologist. Next, let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, of course, we've talked about mindfulness, yeah. the nature, All breathing, that good woo-woo maybe. Woo-woo stuff. Well, color might also help. Oh yeah, you calm yourself. Uh, This person, Tosh Bradley, developed an appreciation for color in early age, and and age sorry, and channeled that into a career as a fine artist and became a decorator. So she applies um, her love of color to how she decorates and um, the psychology of color. It's how color can really influence your behavior and your mood. It's the way you never see color in isolation. Each room should have an element of joy. You should decorate with things that make you happy with the colors that you connect to every space in that house.
3: Huh.
2: Uh, so that said, what color brings you joy? And I've heard of this. Like I know every color, like red is supposed to be powerful. Blue, it's like, you know, connected to the mm-hmm. sky or water. So it's more relaxing and green too.
3: Yeah, I guess I get that. I feel like that same principle also applies to like shapes as well. Oh. You know, like, you know, if you have like lots of like, you know, rounded edges and stuff like that in the space, that might be more calming than like sharp edges in your art or your oh, furniture or, you know. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know. But I think um, and I also think, you know, when people talk about, oh, yeah, red is supposed to make you feel a certain kind of way. I mean, I I guess there's science behind that. But I also wonder if it like that's true universally. Because I feel like some people might, like, okay, so for instance, wow. red is a real, in China, yeah. red is a color for, I think, prosperity. You know, you see a lot of yeah, red and gold, yeah, and, like yeah. Chinese New Year stuff. Yeah. So I wonder if like in Asia, or at least China, red, in, you know, kind of stimulates a different kind of feeling than it might for a typical, you know, American.
2: That's true. I mean, I, I agree with that. You know, green in America, it's not just about nature. It's about what do you think?
3: Money. Money! Yes, the color of prosperity. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, so, uh, I think that's really interesting. Actually, there are websites online that if you Google, Google that, you can see that it is true. Color around the world is different. Uh, black, according to this site, Bidroom.com, okay. is the most universal color in the world, worn by everyone. It's a sign of elegance and sophistication, but then on the other side of it, it's uh, looked at it as evil.
3: Black? Yeah, oh, represents yeah.
2: grief, magic, and bad luck.
3: Mm-hmm. And the unknown. Yeah. You know, the night is dark and full of terrors. I don't know if you've heard that. Game of Thrones? Anybody? Um, Just me? Yeah. All right. Fine. I mean, it's because
2: you're catching up, so now you have all You're right. References. It's on the brain. Um, sun, yellow. Most cultures have similar meanings for yellow. Optimism, good energy, cheer- cheerfulness. But it can also represent caution and possibility of danger. Oh, In yeah. Germany, yellow is the color of jealousy. Yes, in um, ancient Egypt, yellow stood for the deity of religion. I just find this really fascinating. fascinating. Actually,
3: did you see uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? So they no. go to so they go to a different universe, and he almost steps into traffic because in that universe, you go on red and you stop on green. So he was uh, yeah. yeah so like you know in different universes they mean different things not just different countries.
2: It really shows like everything is what you make of it.
3: Absolutely. Right? It's
2: like you set kind of a societal rule and we uh, we go with that, we follow mm-hmm. that, but in the end
3: yeah perhaps
2: it could really mean anything. You know,
3: I think so and I, that when you said that it made me think of something that makes me really uncomfortable. Oh. When someone when a child is born anatomically they have a gender. Yeah. And um, and sure. they get dressed in Pink if they're a girl, yes,
2: they're societal, boy. yeah. So, that. so
3: we put on we use color to kind of enforce yeah. uh, gender stereotypes totally literally from birth. Yep, isn't that wild?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why the gender neutral kids' clothes are a thing and all that.
3: Yeah, like I casually try and give people like for as gifts, like baby shower gifts, n- neutral colored, totally, you know, for that very reason.
2: Hey, the more you know. This is actually, it's fascinating stuff and should change how we uh, view the things around us. And yeah. the world we create around us with are the things that we own, right? Yeah. Okay, well, next up, we got more of what's trending, including what supermodel is settling a lawsuit right now. Oh. Why? More next. Let's go there with Shira
0: and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Yes, welcome back to the show. And stick around for more music here on Channel Q. It's Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out. But Ryan Basham is here joining me as my co-host.
3: It's so great to be here with you. It's been
2: a blast. Yeah, hasn't
3: it? It has. We should talk with, like, soft voices, like on the (laughs) Delicious Dish from Saturday Night Live. Oh, or, like, ASMR. ASMR, yes.
2: That always freaks me out when I'm, you know, when I'm scrolling my feed on TikTok... I do that. Um, And then you hit those ASMR videos. You're like, what? Wait. Like, I feel like I'm looking at, like, porn suddenly. Because it's just so weird. Like, they'll have this, like, mic, like, filling up half the screen and something over it. You're like, what are they putting their hands on? Yes. And they're just like, and you'll hear it now. I'm like, wait, where did that come from? Like, should I be watching this? I feel like I've just gotten a peek into, like, you know, uh, behind closed doors. Like, something I shouldn't be watching.
3: Yeah, or like, maybe I should, but in private. Yeah, no, totally.
2: It's like really weird. Like, is anyone watching me watching this? Like, should I be embarrassed? You know, um, I had a partner who uh, would watch ASMR going to bed, and it was always so awkward. Because mm. sometimes I would just pass, I'd be so tired. But then, um, and I'd wake up, either I'd wake up and I didn't know or hear just like, And then it's going on. Or like, it was whatever voice. It wasn't even a male or female. It was just like every type of voice. Uh And I'm like, wait, what? What are you listening to? And he'd be half asleep just listening to that. Or I'd be trying to fall asleep and he's listening to it. I'm like, I can't fall asleep to that. Wow. So, yeah. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. President Biden claimed that he has cancer during a speech about global warming in Massachusetts today. He was describing the health effects of emissions from oil refineries near his childhood home in Delaware when he said this.
4: My mother drove us and rather than us be able to walk. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening? You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation?
2: White House spokesman Andrew Bates referred to a post, uh, New York Post uh, noting that Biden recently had non melanoma skin cancers, which he had removed before taking office. Wow. So, yes, uh, a lot there to unpack. We haven't heard anything otherwise. And, like, why use present tense?
3: Yeah, I mean, I sometimes accidentally use present tense when I mean past tense or vice versa. So, might have been a mistake. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, next up, the Indiana doctor, Dr. Dr. Caitlin Bernard, who performed an abortion on a 10 year old rape victim, is preparing to sue Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita for def- defamation. So Rakita appeared on Fox News saying that he would launch an investigation into whether Bernard reported the rape, threatening her license. Rakita also claimed Bernard was an abortion activist acting as a doctor and had a history of failing to report child sex abuse, although that claim. Is based solely on a bunch of 2018 consumer allegations filed by an anti abortion group.
3: I just, this guy, he can kick rocks, man. Exactly.
2: Ugh. It's just, these stories coming out, it's just like, it, it blows my mind. Yeah, these
3: people are willing to weaponize a person and ruin their lives and just then to wep- score political points. And
2: weaponize a child as well. Absolutely. Just be clear, yeah. Yes. Uh, And finally, a New York judge has ordered Rudy Giuliani to testify next month as a witness before the Fulton County, Georgia grand jury that's investigating Donald Trump's attempts to undermine the 2020 election.
3: I mean, I cannot wait to see how this turns out.
2: But most probably, will he actually follow the rules here and end up testifying or is he going to continue to push this along?
3: I mean, you can be put in jail for refusing to testify. Oh, we saw that with Steve Bannon. Yeah, exactly. So, and I Rudy's an old man. I don't think he if he they put him in jail, he wouldn't last a day. A Ooh, day.
2: Yeah. That was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news.
3: Well, let's play a clip.
6: I
2: said so many
6: things. Like You're perfect, you're beautiful, them. you look like Linda Evangelista, you're a model. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: was uh Aja uh, uh, taking down uh, taking Valentina down a notch in uh, season nine of Rupaul's drag race untucked um, uh, so this is a story about Linda Evangelista so you may have heard back in September she filed a lawsuit against Zeltique aesthetics the uh, provider of cool sculpting uh, for 50 million dollars claiming they that her their product left her permanently disformed and brutally disfigured well now she's sharing that she did settle we don't know how much for mm. um, but but she's you know, saying she's glad to share that that saga, that piece of her story is finally behind her and she can move on. Also, um, she did just land a modeling gig. So she is still getting to do some modeling work, this time for Fendi Campaign. So she doesn't feel she can go back to her runway. But, you know, other kinds of modeling she can still do. So we're glad to see she's moving on from that a chapter in her life yeah. and getting back in front of a camera. She deserves. She does.
2: That's really traumatizing, though.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes me rethink what I was thinking about getting cool sculpting. You know, That's everything. Ha- you know, any medical procedure, any medicine, true. Everyone, there's that outlier sometimes of someone who has a bad yeah, outcome. Yeah, you, know, you know
2: how you your body's going to react.
3: Yeah, so think carefully about big choices, but know that just because a bad thing happens to one doesn't mean it's going to happen to you necessarily.
0: True. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Well, it seems like Gen Z wants to take over jobs, and what are they going to do when that happens? Well, according to this one TikToker, his name's Chase at the corporate chase on tiktok he posted this video it's gone viral viewed almost a million times this is what it said and i want to get your take i'm really excited for the millennial gen z takeover of corporate america where corporate jargon is no longer a thing where glossaries of acronyms are part of your onboarding and pto isn't looked down upon by boomers you aren't feeling okay today and need a mental health day we got you out of pto but need an extra day not an issue and he's seen like typing on his computer while yeah, his text is over but, the video. And he added, soon the boomers are out of here and it's our turn to set the set standard. <laughs> We're getting closer by the day, besties. Amen. Watch out, boomers.
3: Amen. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, so here's it. So look, so by I was, the way,
2: our, uh, I feel like I'm down for intergenerational, like, or what is a multi-generational employment? Like I want to mm-hmm. be working with people of all Absolutely. ages and backgrounds. Like if, if we don't want a place of, you know, a sexist or racist workplace, we also have to think about how we're being ageist. Oh, so yeah. let's take into, that, into account that. That said, I think we have to understand that we are in a different place, just like I learn about new tech. It's part of my job. New trends, new this. Like, we need to learn how to treat each other in new ways.
3: Yeah, people... Yeah, (laughs) if you are resenting older people, work on that. If you're resenting younger people, work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, look, it's becoming more and more common for people to have four-day work weeks in Europe. Um, I was actually... So, I... uh, a guy who's like um, a legendary video game developer from the 80s brought me on to, gosh, I hope I don't get, he doesn't hate me for telling this story. He's still a dear friend. Um, but he brought me on to uh, be a, a like a C, like a chief marketing and strategy officer for his new startup. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the terms of my employment and he goes, "And yeah, standard two weeks vacation. And I paused and I was like, you know this is a tech startup, right? <laughs> because- you, you know what know, you're competing with. Yeah, like standard, that might've been standard a decade or two ago but people getting hired into a tech company now expect unlimited PTO
2: or I feel this is how I feel personally um I feel like every 3 months I hit a wall like mm-hmm. literally and I feel like I need a week off yeah and then I come back and I'm like okay I'm recharged I can come back in but I've seen it happen where my mental health starts to go downhill mm. Every three months.
3: Yes. Yes. In fact, my friend, actually a former boss of mine, now works at a startup. uh, It's kind of a bigger startup now. And they just spontaneously gave the whole company a week off. They were like... Everybody seems burnt didn't out. Spotify do
2: that? I think they have. Think that was just to uh, forgive people for
3: Joe Rogan, but yes. I mean, still. <laughs> <laughs> like, still.
2: let's for- pretend this didn't happen. Yeah,
3: yeah. There's a week off. Yeah. But all that to say, I mean, you know, the all the research shows that these kinds of things make people more productive because you don't... Time spent does not equal productivity. Yeah. You know?
2: So, a lot to think about, and I think that we got to work together on it because, yeah, like I I don't think it's about one generation being against the other. By the way, finally, we have to wrap. But producer Shelby is the youngest person here. Yeah, not to call out, but what is your take on all this as someone from the next generation? Honestly,
3: can't wait. I, I think that. There's a little bit more. You know what? I'm gonna stop talking. Okay. <laughs> uh, from from a Gen Zer to us yeah. elder Millennials to yeah. everybody listening, we all get to work together on figuring out what the workplace should look like. Be compassionate. That's all I have to yes. say. Yes, great. Be that, compassionate. That is great. Yes. Shelby, always with the words of wisdom. Keep yes, it I want to hug on the break. Jeez. Yeah.
2: Next up, consensual. That's
3: yes, consensual. consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's
0: go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Well, we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz yes Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, queen. So who does this one go out to, Ryan?
3: Well, so, you know, uh, in the face of tragedy, sometimes uh, communities come together and uplift yeah. each other. So you may remember back on July 4th in Highland Park, Illinois, yeah. uh, there was that shooting at the parade uh, that killed several people, I think seven people and injured uh. dozens more. Uh, real tragedy, but, um, but there was a woman named Alexandra Kaler, an interior designer who lives nearby, in, in nearby Winnetka, and she took to Instagram to crowdsource a list of available mental health therapists uh, to whom people could reach out. She got, within hours, over a 100 therapists who asked wow. to be on the list. Um, and she even has thrown some of her own money in to, uh, to pay for some uh, coverage for some folks. And to date, there are over 200 therapists on the list, um, so which she shared publicly, obviously, so anyone could reach out. So I just think that, you know, sometimes people look at a tragedy and they go, that's awful, and they walk away. And then other people see a tragedy and they go, you know what? I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to try to do something. And that is so important.
2: Yeah, I give credit to those people. Like, a lot of us have ideas when these things happen. Like, what can we do more of? But for someone to act on that and make it happen like that is really remarkable.
3: It's really special.
2: Uh, So, yeah, we want to give a big shout out to all those people who came together. And specifically, uh, this person who was really inspired to take that action. Great yes. job. We need more of that in our world. Yes.
3: Alexandra Kaler, thank you for setting a great example. Yeah.
2: Yes, Queen. Well, leaving on a high note uh, with some inspiration there. That does it for our show today, but we're back tomorrow. Weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. Uh, thanks again to Ryan Basham for filling in. Well, oh, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Yes. And we are sending you love and light. Stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris right after this, where he's talking about signs a relationship can't be saved. Ooh. Next.
1: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact